0: just want to start out by just saying good morning New Direction Bible Fellowship. I'm so excited to be able to share with you all this morning. I'm even more excited because I'm even talking to some great students that are out there. There are many accomplishments that was, that was mentioned, and I just want to say congratulations to you all. Great job. Continue doing what you're doing. Um, Also, great job, Caitlin and Isaiah, for stepping up and doing something like this this morning uh, so that the, the whole world, because when you publicize this, the whole world can really see how God is using you to advance his kingdom. I want to just thank uh, Pastor Tony Benson Sr. as well for giving me this opportunity to just share a word with you all this morning. So let me do this. Let me just start out with, with just a word of prayer, inviting God into this, this time and space as I minister to you all this morning. Let's look to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for just this platform that we've been given to, uh, to hear from you. God, I just ask that you would just um, continue to work through me as I speak this morning, work through the technology, meet uh, students and parents and others who are on the line this morning. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm sure that Uh, that you're thinking to yourself, this holiday season is going to be like no other, right? It's safe to say that your Thanksgiving was probably different than any other Thanksgiving you've probably experienced. Uh, This Christmas will probably be the same. But there's one thing that I found out this past couple of weeks that was pretty consistent, and that's the long line. See, my wife, she texted me a picture of her as she stood in line. And she showed me the line, that the line went from the front of the store all the way to the rear of the store. She explained to me that people were taking everything off the shelves and she was just getting a few items uh, just for the home. Just think about it. I think that this is probably a lot, has a lot to do with the coronavirus pandemic as well as has a lot to do with the holiday season. She said they're taking everything from even toilet paper off the shelf. She said she couldn't get any toilet paper. And for me, I said, well, I think I'm going to be okay uh, dealing with rationing toilet paper. Now, here's why. See, when I was young as a student uh, in high school, my dad would accuse me and my brother of using too much toilet paper. Yeah, too much toilet paper. So what he did is is he, he developed this rule. He called it the two-sheet rule. So each time you go into the bathroom, you only could use two sheets. That's right, two little squares. And he said, look, you can fold these two squares as many times as you want, but don't come out of that bathroom having used more than two squares. And let me tell you what he did. He actually marked each one of the toilet paper squares, re-rolled the toilet paper to make sure that we didn't use more than two sheets, yeah. I survived it, all right, I survived. I lived through that circumstance and I'm even ready if we have to ration our toilet paper. They're taking everything off the shelf like even milk and the hottest items to purchase like a PS5, you can't even get in Walmart or the stores that you typically would go to. Why? It's all sold out. The reality is is you probably don't need to get a lot of toilet paper. But people are getting it because other people are getting it. You probably uh, have realized that the PS5 is sold out. Why? Because other people had it. I asked a family member, I said, hey, man, what is it about this PS5 that made it sell out so quickly? And he said, you know what? I don't know. He said, people are willing to pay for it twice as much as what it's worth online because other people have it. See, we're always comparing ourselves to what other people have. That's why when you sit at home and you're on Instagram and you're you're texting people, people are showing pictures of themselves. And it's sort of a commercial of themselves, right? I've seen people take pictures next to cars that don't even belong to them, but it's cool. So they do it like, bam, there it is. Yeah, I'm looking good we're constantly comparing ourselves to others. I think we're born with this uh, desire to have not only what other people have, but have more than what other people have. We're constantly comparing ourselves. And it always seems like the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Well, why is that? Is it some innocent, false perception of your situation? Or could it be a dysfunctional disorder from within? That something else is going on deep down inside where we feel like we have to have more. And when we're isolated, it gets even more difficult because then we're flipping through our phones just looking to see, you know, what uh, what do they have? And why don't I have it? Today, I wanna share with you the secret of experiencing joy and also contentment in isolation, okay? It's gonna, I'm gonna share with you the secret of experience this joy and contentment in isolation. When the apostle Paul was imprisoned in Rome, he was chained to a Roman soldier day and night. He couldn't do what he loved to do, and he would be a man who would love to walk the streets and preach the gospel. He was a man who loved to plant churches throughout the region, but now he's isolated. He can't go where he wants to go, but even in the midst of his situation in Rome, he writes the most triumphant letter that he's ever written, and that was to the church in Philippi. We know that particular letter as the book of Philippians. And in this letter, he uses the word rejoice 11 times. It sort of marks the the message or the theme of that particular letter. Why does he rejoice? Because he has learned the secret to joy and contentment in isolation. Well, let's take a look at it. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. You've actually already heard the voice. Isaiah was able to read that passage for you, but I'm going to read just the first one, and we're going to kind of dive into this text this morning. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 10, and it says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again though you since you surely did care but you lacked opportunity so this church at philippi was one of the first churches that the apostle paul planted in eastern europe it was planted on his second missionary journey about ad 49 to ad 51 You can find this story in Acts chapter 16. So you might want to make a note to yourself, uh, Acts chapter 16, because that's where you'll see where he planted this church. And Paul and Silas, they go to this small town in in Macedonia. It is a retirement retreat for many of the Roman soldiers. And so there is this uh, group of staunch supporters of patriotic nationalism. And when Paul gets in town, he's preaching about this new king, this resurrected king called Jesus. They're not too fond of his message. And in in, in short, he ends up being arrested for disturbing the peace after healing this slave girl. But this letter was written in AD 61, which was about 10 years after he had planted this church. He's now in a Roman prison about 600 miles away. And the church at Philippi, uh, they had lost contact of the apostle Paul. But now that he's in prison, they found out that he's there. And so they send one of their members, Epaphroditus, to come and visit the apostle Paul while he's in prison. And he doesn't come empty-handed, he brings a gift with him. And now you see in this passage that he's rejoicing He's experiencing this amount of joy because he knows that he hadn't been forgotten. The Apostle Paul is like, I'm so ecstatic to reestablish this connection with some people that he, he had lost contact with. He's experiencing joy in isolation. You know, this global pandemic has caused us all to be sort of isolated. The walls seem to be closing in on us. Many of us have lost the contact between friends and family members because we're not able to connect in ways that we are traditionally able to. And so it's so important that you are intentional and making these connections with friends and family members, particularly people of God, which leads me to my first point this morning, that you need to be connected to God's people, okay? Be connected to God's people. According to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, loneliness and isolation is linked to depression, anxiety, and also serious mental, serious health conditions. The CDC has have even found a link between senior citizens and premature death, meaning that these senior citizens that are alone, they're likely to die sooner. Yeah, that just highlights the importance of our relationship, knowing people and connecting to particularly God's people. Now, I'm sure by now you've sat at home and you've probably got on the internet, you're looking at other churches, you're checking out other preachers who are preaching a message and you just want to get fed with the the word of God. And I encourage that. I think that's exciting. But here's a question that I want to ask you. Uh, Does that pastor know who you are? Do you really know who that pastor is and his family? Do you know the people who belong to that church and do those people who belong to that church know you? Does it matter? Absolutely. Absolutely. It mattered to Paul that he knew these people that were in Philippi. It mattered to him that he was able to make this connection with those people. And you need to be connected to God's people. The fact that you have uh, leaders at New Direction that are willing to spend time with Zoom Bible studies and Zoom book studies, you need to be connected into those things. You need to connect on Sunday morning to your pastor because your pastor has prepared a word just for you. And it's important that you stay connected to God's people. See, you need to Stay connected to God's people because that's where you're truly loved by others. See, Paul knew that God had created mankind to love people and to use things. But somehow during the course of life, we have now begun to use people and love things. And that's not how God has set things up. See, we have to prioritize our relationship with others, pick up the phone and call your friend, Isaiah and Caitlin and some of the others that belong to the student ministry. Stay connected to God people. Just give them a call and say, hey, yo, what's up? How you be, how you doing? What's up, how you flowing? What you been up to? Make the connection to God's people. Let's keep looking in this passage of scripture here. In verse 11, he picks this up. He says, says, now that I speak in, uh, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need." He now states here that he's learned this secret of being content. Now, I love the fact that This is something that he had to learn to do. Why? That gives me encouragement because I learned that that I know that I can develop this skill. This is something that doesn't come naturally. We are born with this discontent spirit that we don't have enough. But he's saying that this is something that you can learn over time. And God reminds me every now and then, he's like, hey, you need to grow in this area of contentment. And so it's an opportunity for us to learn more and more about how to be content. This word content here in the Greek means self-sufficient or to be satisfied. Basically it means I'm cool with what I have. It's not laziness, it's not complacency. It means to be satisfied, to be cool. See, the apostle Paul was saying, listen, I'm rejoicing in the fact that I made this connection with Epaphroditus, but now he's saying I was cool before you gave me the gift. I was cool after I received the gift. And I'm going to be cool even when the gift is spent up and it's gone. He's saying, I'm satisfied. See, this soul contentment is not based on the quantity of your possessions. I like what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He says, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in abundance of things that he possesses. See, the Apostle Paul could tell the difference between a greed and a need. Sometimes a greed can become a need, and that's when it becomes a problem, when you have to have these things. See, his joy is not wrapped up into the things that he has. Now, how did he learn this secret? I mean, where did the Apostle Paul come up with this? Well, when you study the life of the Apostle Paul, he grew up pretty privileged, I mean, he grew up as a Roman citizen. He grew up in an affluent town of Tarsus. There he would have went to the best schools. He would have learned several languages as a young child. He then was sent to Jerusalem to study under Gamaliel, who was the, really the best Jewish teacher that money could buy. The Apostle Paul sort of grew up uh, in prominence. He was very intelligent, and he began to begin to be a part of the one of the prestigious courts, the Sanhedrin court of the Jews. He was a prominent, successful man. But what happens? The resurrected, resurrected Jesus Christ stops him in his tracks, and once he meets Jesus, everything changes. He's willing to give up all of it because of his relationship with Christ. The Philippians understood that too. They remember when he was arrested in Philippi in Acts chapter 16. They remember that he was stripped of all of his belongings. They whooped him with rods and they threw him in prison in Philippi. Now, what do you think the apostle Paul and Silas was doing in prison? They were singing. Yeah, that's right. They were singing. See, it wasn't about their situation or what they had. It was who they knew. They knew that Jesus Christ was still with them. And so their joy wasn't wrapped up in the stuff that they had, which sort of leads me to my next point. The first one is to be connected to God's people. This next point is be content with God's provision. That's right. Be content with God's provision. Provision. Do you know that $70 billion is spent every year on lottery tickets? Yeah, lottery tickets. That's the dream of having it all. That's more than we spend on music, movies, books, and video games, all combined. In December of 2002, a man by the name of Jack Whitaker was already a millionaire. He made big dollars, but he still had this dream of having it all. So he continued to play the lottery. And he won. He won the big one. $315 million. Yeah, that's a big one. It was actually the largest Uh, jackpot winning of its time in a one single ticket. So what does he do? The first thing he did is he spent 10% of it towards Christian charities. But the next year things changed. Things changed in a negative way. Thieves stole $500,000 from his car while he was in a strip club. The next year, he lost his daughter and his granddaughter from a drug overdose related to his winnings. The next year, he was broke. He lost all of this money that he had. And this is what he said. He said, you know what? I don't like the man that I have become. He said, I wish I would have ripped up that ticket when I first received it. See, having more is not always the answer. It's not the answer. This is what the wisest man on earth said about being content. This is what the wisest, and I'd even include one of the wealthiest men on earth said about being content. Who is this King Solomon? King Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse six. He says, better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. He's saying it's better to have one handful of some stuff and be cool with it. Be cool with what I have right here than having two handfuls of stuff and chasing after the wind and still not being satisfied. Let me help you understand it this way. What if you saw one of your best friends running across the parking lot of a shopping mall. And you're looking first like, yo, is that? Yo, and then you holler, yo, where you going? And they stop and they say, yo. And he said, man, what are you you chasing from? What are you, what's going on? And they say, I'm chasing after the wind. You'll be like, yo, yo man, what is wrong with you? Like you have lost your natural mind. But that's what it means to really be discontent. You already have more than what you need or you have what you need, but you're chasing the wind. It's senseless. It never ends. You continually want more and more and more. That's why the apostle Paul tells his young protege, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, chapter verse 6, he says this. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, what does he mean? What do you gain by being content? You gain freedom from your own greed. That's right. You gain freedom from your own greed. Now, here's what I wanna do for you. I wanna give you just three quick tips on helping you to not chase the wind. It's crazy, isn't it? I wanna give you three tips to help you walk through this. The first tip I wanna give you is to avoid comparisons. Avoid comparisons. Comparisons really breed covetousness. That means you want something that doesn't belong to you from somebody else, right? Um, And we do this by jumping on Instagram. We flip through, avoid comparisons. Here's two things you can do to avoid comparisons. People who always have new stuff, who keep, yo, look what i got, yo, check this out what I have. You might think that they're happy, but the reality, they are not content with what they have. They're chasing the wind. It's always nice to get new things, but sometimes it can get too far right it goes way out also jumping on Facebook and instagram and some of these platforms. limit the time that you're on it, because the reality is if you're on it too long you're isolated, and this is all you're doing you're comparing yourself to others it's going to it's going to make you become discontent in what you have a next tip another tip is to adjust to alterations okay. Spoiler alert here. Life happens and it it doesn't always happen the way you intend. So you have to adjust to alterations. Things will happen in life that you don't plan. And that means that when things happen, you have to develop a certain amount of grit to get through it. All right. You can make it through. Trust me, you can get through whatever it is. You can't say, oh, life's not fair God will give you the ability to kind of work through that situation. Um, I'll tell you right now that most of you have more than what you need. Um, you can ask Kanita. I'll tell you, she go to a mission trip with Kanita. Okay, go to Kenya and you'll see that there are billions of people that would trade places with you uh, in a heartbeat. Okay, um, you can live with more than uh, with less than what you have. Trust me on that you can. So you want to adjust to alterations, okay? Next thing is to adopt convictions. Adopt some convictions about this whole idea. One conviction that you need to adopt is that God is sovereign. That means that whatever he's brought you to, he's going to bring you through it. That something that happens that you have no control over must be a part of God's divine plan. That's why Job was able to lose everything he lost his wealth, he lost his family, he lost his health. And what does he say? He says, uh, he says clearly the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away, but blessed be, blessed be the name of the Lord. So he says this because he has this conviction that God is sovereign. You might need to even make some convictions up for yourself. Like I'm not going to spend X amount of dollars on this. You might want to set some boundaries. I'm never going to spend more than $150 on a pair of sneakers, okay? At one point, you got to be like, look, it's just not happening, whatever. Set that boundary. I'm never going to spend this much on this particular item. That's going to help you. So adopt some convictions in terms of how you spend your resources or how you spend your money. Be content in God's provisions. Let's look at this last verse here I want to look at, which is one that you're probably already familiar with. I don't even need to even read, the you know, pull up my scripture for this because I'm sure you have probably memorized this scripture. And that is Philippians 4:13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, it's a familiar passage, probably one of the first ones that you had to memorize when you were young. And that's all good. It's a great passage, but I think it's often used out of context. When Evander Holyfield stepped into the ring with Mike Tyson many years ago, he wore a robe. And on the robe, it said Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. And as a young Christian, I remember I was in high school. I used to be, I was like, yo, this is hot. This dude right here got Philippians four thirteen. He can right do his thing. And he got into the ring and, and he won the fight. I thought to myself, wow, this is awesome then evander holyfield wears that same robe philippians 4 13 he was ready to go he gets into the ring and he loses i'm like yo what just happened i don't know how many times have you used philippians four thirteen when you're in a pinch and you're like yo i can do all things through christ Jesus. you've stood you know you've sat in a classroom taking an exam that you did not study for, and you just, okay, Lord, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then you start filling in the little dots, right? Uh, that's not really the way the context is talking about here. See, we've called on God for God's power. You know, I can all do all things through Christ who strengthens me through all types of situations. And there's nothing wrong with that, all right? There's nothing wrong with it. But the context that he's talking about here, when he says all things, the all things in context is being content in all situations, whether you have a lot or will you have a little bit. Let me say it again. When he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he's saying that no matter what God gives me, whether it's a lot or whether I have a little or maybe have nothing at all, he's like, God is going to give me the power to work through that situation to be okay with that. So that leads me to this final point. And that is that we need to be confident in God's power when it comes to our stuff, right? Be confident in God's power. So if God gives you a, just a little bit, he's going to give you the power to live and manage that little bit. If God gives you a lot He's going to give you the power to manage a lot. But all of it's ultimately to glorify God. It's ultimately all about Christ. It's how can I do or do or live with what I have and glorify him? That was the point. Either way, we're not wrapped up in the quantity of stuff that we have. See, our joy is not in the stuff our joy is in Jesus Christ. How can our joy be in Jesus Christ? It's because Jesus was content when he hung on the cross for you. See, he could have called on a thousand angels and got down from the cross, but yet he hung on this cross. He was willing to give up everything, even his undergarments. He had nothing But yet he was content on that cross because there on that cross he would die for the sins of mankind. And for those who would believe that his payment for the sins of of their sins would then have an eternal relationship with a holy God based on faith. And so Jesus hangs there on that cross for you and I. He's content being there because he knows that three days later, his situation is going to change drastically. What happens three days later? Jesus gets up with all what? Power in his hands. His body becomes a receipt to say that, yes, that payment was in fact good. And then what he does is he gives us by faith, he gives us his power to work through whatever situation that he brings us to so that we might glorify him. Once again, that having the strength or the power is to ultimately glorify him. See, we can be content with who we are and what we have because Christ then dwells within us. The spirit of Christ is with us. That means we're already rich. We already have everything that we need in Christ Jesus. That means that the secret of this for every victorious Christian is to know that we already have Christ in us and guess what? Our situation will one day change drastically. That's right, one day you'll receive a reward and that reward that you receive uh, won't be able to perish, it will not spoil, it will not fade. You'll have an eternal reward that no one can take away. So this knowledge that God has given us helps us to understand that God will empower you to get through whatever it is that you don't have. He'll empower you to have joy in isolation. Why? Because of your relationship with him. And he's going to give you everything you need to complete your assignment. That's why he starts off with this letter in Philippians 1.6 by saying, being confident of this very thing, that he that began a good work in you will accomplish it until the day of the Lord Jesus. He's saying that, listen, I'm going to give you the power to accomplish exactly what I've called you to do. And so as we use that scripture, Philippians 4.13, we need to be thinking about accomplishing the assignment that he has for us. So how do we experience this joy? How do we experience this contentment in the midst of being isolated? One, you need to be connected to God's people. Stay connected, make the phone calls. Get connected to your church. You need to be content in God's provisions. That's right. Whatever God has given you, just be content in it. That's not where your joy is wrapped up in. And then be confident in God's power. God will give you the power to make it through whatever it is that you might encounter. Why? Because you can be confident that that in the end, God's got you. Confident in this very thing that he that began a good work in you will accomplish it until the day of the Lord Jesus. Perhaps you're right now sitting there and you're thinking, man, I've been feeling isolated. This pandemic has kind of thrown you off. You may be even spiraling in depression or feeling anxious about your situation. And I just want to pray for you first that you might have a personal relationship with God, that you might come to know him in a personal way, that you might come to know that Jesus was content on a cross so that you might be in a personal relationship with him. So by grace, you are saved through faith. It's not by your works. It's just trusting that Jesus has done everything necessary for you to be in a relationship with him. And our only responsibility is to believe and have faith in him. And then God gives us the power to live according to the way that he wants us to live. So I wanna close this message out just praying for you, praying that God would meet you right where you are today, praying that this message would encourage you Uh, to experience joy in isolation. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for just this privileged opportunity that we've been given to just connect. I believe, God, that you are working through this technology so that somebody out there may hear this message and want to come to know you in a personal way. God, I ask that you would just begin to move on their hearts right now. Help them to connect through this platform, God. make Help them to connect to this church at New Direction so that they might come to know more about you. And perhaps, God, if they are there and they have already understand the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they might accept you now. That they would recognize that they're a sinner and they would recognize, God, that by uh, your gift, that was given to us on the cross that we might have a personal relationship with you. So meet them right where they are. Help them take those next steps of faith, God. God, I just ask that you would just touch a new direction in the students there. Touch them, God, so that they might be connected to each other. God, help them, Lord, to be uh, really content with whatever they've been blessed with. So this Christmas, whatever they receive, God, that this Christmas will still be a blessing because their joy won't be wrapped up into what's under the Christmas tree. God, we ask that you would also be help them to be confident in your power, that you have called them for a specific pers- uh, uh, purpose to glorify you, God. So we ask that you would just move in a mighty way so that they might continue to Uh, learn to grow in their knowledge of you and their love for each other now unto him who keeps us from falling and presents us faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise god our savior be glory majesty dominion and power both now and forevermore may the church of the living god say amen amen god bless you all i'm so glad that i got an opportunity to share this message with you Walk with the King. God bless.